0: 57% of Americans are unengaged and here's how they defined unengaged which I found fascinating. They said you come to work, you're on time, you do what you're supposed to do, you meet deadlines, but you couldn't care less about pretty much anything that you're doing. Like you're good you're basically a good employee. But would you leave tomorrow? Yeah, probably.
1: You're listening to The Lowdown, a podcast recorded at Sigma Kappa National Headquarters by Alex Green and Sarah Goodwin. We'll focus on topics like health, wellness, fraternity and sorority
2: community, higher education, and life skills that women need in all stages of their lives. We'll also feature stories from inspiring, empowering, and ambitious Sigma Kappas. Tune in every other week for a new episode to help drive your personal growth forward. Welcome back to the Lowdown Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And today we have Jason Barnaby, the founder of Firestarters. Welcome, Jason. Hey, ladies. Thanks for having me. Can you tell tell us a little bit about Firestarters? Because that kind of goes into our topic, about what you do.
0: Absolutely. So when I started Firestarters Incorporated, it's actually something that I had um Plan, I had been planning for the better part of about 20 years. I used to carry around a spiral-bound notebook or a manila folder, and when they got tattered, I would throw them away. But it used to have the um, initials M O B on them, which stood for my own business, because I knew that one day my dad was a was an entrepreneur, and so I had so I saw that growing up, and always knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to do something on my own. Mm-hmm. I like being in organizations, but I'm not the best employee because I look at rules as strong suggestions, (laughs) and and employers don't always appreciate that. So um, I registered the business two years ago. My job was eliminated almost a year ago. Uh, It will be a year in May after 10 years in the corporate world, my first last and I I hope last, my first last and only foray into the corporate world. Very thankful for the experience, but glad that I am no longer there, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they feel the same way. We parted on good terms. But started Firestarters Incorporated, and I have been in adult education for the better part of 20 years. Uh, I have a master's degree in teaching English as a foreign language. I spent eight years uh, teaching overseas in Poland at a university, which is where my wife is originally from, wow. um, which is also why I wear my wedding ring on my right hand. I don't know if I you was yeah, I earlier. was
2: actually thinking that earlier. Uh
0: so, yeah, it's it's being in education and being a teacher, especially at the college level, um, there's something about what I call the aha moment mm-hmm. when you see somebody get, get it, whatever it is, yeah. right? And for me, for a long time, it was like grammar rules in English or um, a particular verb phrase or mm-hmm. something where they're like, oh, my gosh, now I know how to communicate this. And mm-hmm. I can say this and I don't sound like so weird or I sound, you know, I I can do this more professionally. So the mission statement of uh, Firestarters Incorporated is to facilitate aha moments in uh, individuals and companies that ignites lasting change. And so that's my goal. I want you, I call it practical inspiration. Mm -hmm. I want you to be inspired if you come and hang out in an event that I'm at or go through a workshop with me. I want you to walk out of there feeling like charged and energized, but also with a plan of a couple of steps of things that Mm -hmm. you can do next. Because unfortunately I think what happens a lot of times in those situations is that we're inspired and then we walk out and get in the car and we answer a text message or return a phone call or we stop and get dinner on the way home or pick up dry cleaning and the inspiration's gone. And so my hope is that, um, in an interaction with fire starters that you will be inspired, but also to the point of doing something practically with yeah. it.
1: So what do you mean when you find, when, what does it mean to find your fire? Is that your passion, your inspiration? How would you define that?
0: I would say that it's, I think it can be a lot of different things. I think it's, I, I believe that we were all made intentionally with, with gifts that are uniquely ours. And I don't mean that like everybody should get a blue ribbon because we're all special. (laughs) Like I don't no participation ribbons. No, no, because you know what? When you get out into the real world, they don't give you participation ribbons. They give you they fire you because you haven't done what you were supposed to do, and then you're shocked because you know just showing up at work wasn't enough. Um,
1: Crazy, (laughs) I know, right? Imagine.
0: So, I would say it is asking yourself what sets your heart on fire. What is that thing that you really that you get excited about? And here's the way I like to explain it. And I, I just met with um, one of my clients the other day, and she's going through a transition in her career, and she was telling me, <coughs> me. she was telling me about the fact that um, she was losing her job. And so we were talking about what could be next. And I said, well, what do you, and she was pretty bummed, right? she just, she just found out she was losing her job and she wasn't sure how much time she was going to have. And I said, well, what do you really want to do? And I wish, and I told her this, I said, I wish I would have filmed this because she sat up and her eyes got big and she leaned in and her voice completely changed. And she started describing this thing that she's been dreaming about doing for years and I just, and, and I kind of sat back and took it all in and I said, there's, you know, we're here to try to figure out the next step. There's your next step. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, that thing that you just spent 15 minutes very passionately talking about, that's your yeah. thing. So I think it's it's asking yourself what what makes you sit up? What makes you lean in? What makes your eyes get big and your voice come alive? Mm-hmm. What makes your arms start moving that you get really yeah. fired up about? And that could be gardening. Yeah. That could be scrapbooking. Mm -hmm. It could be doing hair. It could be starting a bakery. It could be going and starting a consulting business because you've been in business for however long. Or it could mean not doing anything related to your major. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I was a psych major and I use psychology, but I never, I have not spent one day in the psychology field it was something that interested me and that's why I did it. But Mm -hmm. that's not, that wasn't the, that wasn't my fire. Yeah. And my fire really is facilitating that, that aha moment for other people.
2: You said that, you know, you, your position was eliminated and you found something better. And then your client was, did she lose her position or did she was, did she leave it?
0: Kind of both. Okay. Um, She was looking for one that she thought, she had the permission to look for within the company and the company may have interpreted that a different way. And then when it was all done, they said, oh, by the way, this role that you want really doesn't exist and we're not going to do it. And since you didn't really want the role that you were in before, um, we think it's time Mm -hmm. to part ways, which in all honesty is going to be the best thing that's ever happened
2: to her. Well, I was... Going to say because uh, my husband recently, there was a downsize of his company uh, that he worked at, and so his job was eliminated a week and a half ago. And mm-hmm. so, gosh, he was so miserable at this job. Like, it was affecting home life. It was affecting, honestly, his emotions even on the weekend. And I, he, he'd been looking, but, you know, wasn't really serious about it. And obviously that Friday was not a fun day. But by the time I got home, he was in a completely different spot. He's like, I have... I haven't felt this stress, this stress free in five years. Like it's Mm -hmm. just amazing. And he's like, I don't know, like what job I want. He's hopefully going to get a job today. Maybe (laughs) hopeful. Fingers crossed. crossed. (laughs) Update on the podcast later. But um, (laughs) it's exciting for him. This job. It's actually pretty different because he's in the creative area as well, but it's maybe less creative. Mm -hmm. He's like. But that'll be great. And it's a great company. It's just like to see that in him again, to see him be passionate about something is so amazing. Yeah. And so it's, losing a job can even be like a huge positive. It can, it can,
0: for me in all honesty, it was the best thing at the time. Cause I already knew, I mean, I was literally going through the motions and the yeah. thing that I think is unfortunate and why I talk about why it's so important to find your fire is, is that so many of us are just simply going through the motions. Mm-hmm. We get to work and we don't even remember how we got there, but suddenly we're in the parking lot. Yeah. Or we've gone through a whole day and we're suddenly back in our driveway and it's like, what did I even do today? Mm-hmm. Um, did it make a difference? Do you, you know? Are, and do you even? So maybe it's not the job because I know there are some people who are like, well, I have this job and I can't afford to leave. I need benefits and all that. Okay, great. Is there something you can do outside mm-hmm. of that job that could maybe fuel you a little bit more to be more excited to be in the job because it is providing you with the income and the benefits and yeah. the level of lifestyle that you want, but you found some other places to to put those passions to work. A friend of mine has an, has a company called passion to purpose. And she talks about like finding that thing and then putting it to like, how do you marry those two things Mm -hmm. together? And maybe it becomes a job and maybe it's the thing that makes you money. In my case, I'm fortunate that that is the case, but maybe it's just something that you do on weekends or you do with your family or you do on your own. But, um, there are just far too, far, 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 far too many of us that are stuck, that are going through the motions. And I think um, if we can get over the fear of, of well, what, it, what if it does, you know, what if I lose my terrible job that I have? <laughs> well, so what? Yeah. Maybe in the case of your husband, you're like...
2: You're happier, cool. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: you know what? I know sometimes people are like, well, but we have to pay the light bill and all that. Okay, yes, you do. But it's it's also... Like to see that, to have a little bit of struggle there and to see the person back as who they really are, you can't put a price tag on
2: that. No. And my husband is very financially responsible. And so, you know, we have like an emergency fund. So it... We are in no no dire situations by any means, which is really great that he loves finances and I don't. Yes. But
0: <laughs> it's good to have those people in my life.
2: <laughs> but I recently heard a statistic from, from Franklin Covey, I think it was, that um, eight out of 10 people aren't in a job that uses their strengths.
0: Totally believe that.
2: And that's so interesting. I mean, and not that every job can play to all of your strengths, but even to try to... If you know your strengths, which I am all about knowing your strengths, whether Mm -hmm. that is StrengthsFinder or the DISC assessment or any other personality assessment, I'm really all about that. And
1: didn't your husband just (laughs) finally take a personality test
2: Yes, for this job, they actually had him take a personality assessment, and I've been telling him for years, you should do this, and he had me read it, and he's like, Alex... It's me on paper. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I know. The you on paper is the you that I know. Exactly. Isn't that crazy?
2: It was so, so interesting. But even if you know your strengths, then you can use those at whatever job you're at, I feel like. I mean, or if not, like you said, get a new job. Absolutely. If it's a possibility.
0: Absolutely. Which I think it is. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are in the talent world, in the recruitment world, and they all talk about how talent right now is at a premium, that it's hard to find quality people. Mm -hmm. If you're a quality person, you're not going to have a hard time finding a job. Yeah. You're really not.
2: Mm -hmm. So you talk about the difference between passion and empathy.
0: What is that? Ah, yes. So I think sometimes people... Um people are empathetic about particular things. Mm-hmm. So the example that I like to use is the Drumstick Dash that happens in Indianapolis every November, right? It's a great cause.
2: Can we talk about what that is? Just to-
0: Yeah. So Drumstick Dash is a I believe it's a 5K. I've never done it cuz it's cold and I don't like yeah. running in the cold.
2: <laughs> um
0: but it's a 5K that gives so everybody that um runs, it's the morning of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And it raises money for um, the homeless in Indianapolis. Huge event, thousands of people run. Once. Yeah, it's fun. families do it together. Yeah. It's a, it's a super cool people thing. People dress up. Yeah, put turkeys on there. Yeah, heads. turkeys, yep. mm-hmm. all kinds of you know crazy Thanksgiving themed stuff. That's great. I find that people feel empathy about homelessness, and so you say. For 20 years or five years or every year, our family is going to run the drumstick dash because we want to support homelessness. That's great. Um, and there are tons of causes in just in our city that could use empathetic folks to support it. Yeah. But I don't necessarily believe that what you have empathy about is what you have passion about. So, for example, many people that I know who run the drumstick dash do that. Um, it's for a good cause. They feel good cause they've done something good, which is great, but that's kind of it. They don't work in a homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're They're and, and have no desire to, and that's fine, but that's not their passion. They feel empathy. Mm-hmm. They're like, there's homelessness in the world. We should do something about yes. it. There are, you know, pets that need to be, um, adopted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to adopt them. Um, but the passion thing, for me, the difference is between passion and empathy is passion is you can't shake whatever it is. And if that is that thing gets you up in the morning, that thing keeps you up at night, it keeps you from doing your job during the day because you're thinking about it, you're brainstorming about it, you're talking to people about it, it's the thing that – and and so for me – I got a chance about two and a half years ago to um, do, it was kind of a local TED Talk type of thing. And I did it, and they um, produced a really cool video after it was over that I could send out to people. And I sent it out to some of my friends, and I'm sitting at lunch at this leadership conference. A bunch of us were there. And people were like, hey, Jason, I saw that video. That was really good. And I was like, oh, wow, thanks. I really appreciate that. And several people were like, why aren't you doing that for a living? And I was like, you know, inside I'm like, because I'm terrified. (laughs) But I was like, enough people around the table said, why aren't you doing that? And then I started to let myself think about what that could look like and dreaming about that and brainstorming that. And then it became the thing that I wouldn't stop talking about. And the ability that I have when I speak – to um, inspire people and to motivate people is a gift that I really believe that I have. That's something I talk about, that Ember mm-hmm. thing. That, that's, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's unbelievable to be able to do that. But that was the thing I started talking about. Ooh, well, if I had a business that did this and this and this. And so to me, the empathy is kind of a one and done. You do a couple of things, yeah. but the passion light comes back and mm-hmm. back and back, and you just can't shake it until you do something about it.
2: One of my top five strengths strengths is empathy.
0: I very much dislike
2: it. Side note. (laughs) (laughs) I feel, like, bad for people all the time, where, you know, it's just like... yeah. Anyways, I can definitely tell the difference between passion and empathy because feel like I have so much empathy towards so many different things. Mm-hmm. But it makes me feel kind of bad inside, not, not like a fire burning inside of me. There would be a very right. big difference yeah. in that.
0: That's a great example. Yeah.
1: So you talked about being terrified to yep. go out on your own. So what are some practical steps to overcome those fears? What did you do to overcome that?
0: Um, so there is a great quote by a guy named Jack Canfield that says, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I challenge people, and I've done this myself, and I do this sometimes if I have, sometimes I just do it and I ask for forgiveness later, going back to that, not ask, you know, not really following the rules. But sometimes when I speak, if we have time and it works for the particular uh, conference or event, I put that quote up and I'll say, all right. Um, Oh, and for my um, book that I just published, I came up with, um, because i I taught English for 20 years, so I'm like, you know what? I think I'm qualified to make up a word, so I did. <laughs> and the word is what if abouts. And the what if abouts are those things in your life that you go, well, what we were we talking about, right, the fears. Mm-hmm. What, what if this happens? Like your husband's like, what, you lost your job. Well, what if you don't find another job? What if, you know, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. What if, what if, what if, what about? And so I have found that when you open up that door, It just leads to more doors opening. The doors don't close. Well, what if this? Well, if that happens, what about this? And if that, what about this? if it? And like your hands are sweating and your heart is beating and you're freaking out and nothing has happened. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Nothing has happened. And so what I challenge folks to do is take out a piece of paper and write down whatever that what if about is, because most of us have rejection, laughter, failure, whatever it happens to be. It's not going to work. So I will say, write that down on one piece, on one side of that piece of paper. And then I will say, flip that piece of paper over. Because if everything you want is truly on the other side of fear, flip it over. What's yeah. literally on the other side of that fear. And spend the same amount of time that you've just spent writing down the fear, talking about what happens if this goes right? Or what happens if that fear is gone? Yeah. And. That is such a, that right there is such a powerful thing because you've taken the fear out of your brain. You've put it down on paper. So you see it, it's, it's manageable. And now you've, you've taken it another step further and you've started to think about well, what happens if that isn't around or if that doesn't happen. And then what I tell people with, and I say this, I'm putting my finger up for emphasis, <laughs> with proper fire safety, you take this home to your backyard at your fire pit or over your um, in your fireplace or over your sink. And you literally light this piece of paper on fire because I have found that doing that it's so tactile and fires. I just, I mean, I love part of the reason I started fire starters because I love fire. I mean, I love campfires and everything about fire, but you light that thing on fire and you're doing two things in my mind. One, you're torching those fears mm-hmm. that, are plaguing you and two you're igniting the dream to say what's on the other side of this Um, and then I think just having people in your life who can speak in and say have you tried this have you done that are you willing to do that Uh, when I started to write my book I told a friend of mine I didn't know it was going to go that way but I said yeah I want to write a book and she goes well here's what I'm going to do and I was like oh lord she... (laughs) she goes I want you to go home and I want you to outline all of your chapters and I want you to write your introduction and we're going to meet together in three weeks and I was like oh my gosh I'm like okay that's that sounds cool and she's like I'm going to keep you accountable because I think you need to write this book and blah 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 well what happened is I went home that night and I started writing and I did all of that and a whole bunch more stuff in one day because what I realized is it was in there I just need somebody to call it out of me which is exactly what she did. Would it have
2: taken longer, do you think, to get to that oh, point? Oh, for you... sure. I'm not
0: sure I ever would have done it. I think because there's a lot of safety. If we're talking about mm-hmm. fear, there's a lot of safety in telling people, I'm going to write a book. Mm-hmm. You don't have to show anybody anything. Yeah. You can tell people for years. And I run into people all the time. like, yeah, I need to finish mine. I'm like, well, why don't you? <laughs> How long have you been writing it? Ten years? Well, then finish it. Set a date six yeah. months from now and finish it.
1: That's why I don't like to tell people when I'm doing certain Truth. things because I don't mm-hmm. want them to follow up and then it didn't pan out or I didn't want to continue with it. So when I say it out loud, it kind of makes me, gives me the accountability because I don't like to say things if I.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Any inkling
2: well, even I, I think Alex Perry said that too. She wanted to do a, a TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. And so she told, uh, just her group of friends and they kept her accountable. It was like, I want to do this. And I'm like, Hey, well let's follow up on that. And she's done it now. Yeah, She just did one. Yeah, Yeah. It's yeah,
0: it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, I think sometimes, and I've seen a couple of quotes around mm-hmm. this, and i can't come I can't pull one down at the moment, so I'm gonna paraphrase, but I think sometimes we are more afraid to succeed, mm-hmm. so it's easier not to try. There's a u two song that says we we fail, we fail, um basically we have that mm-hmm. failure, um and so we we end before we begin, yeah. And yeah. we don't even start because it's like, oh, well, gosh, what, what happened? I don't even want to think about, like, what if it will be true? But I think we need to do that. I think, I think putting it out, like what you said, Sarah, putting it out into the world, yeah, it's a little scary because then people are going to hold us accountable. But what if it succeeds? Yeah, <laughs> That could be pretty cool.
2: Which kind of brings us to our next question is, so you're all about finding your fire and fanning your flame. How do you fan your flame once you have found your fire?
0: So being very intentional is important. And what I mean by that is you need to have, you need to have some people in your life who can help keep, I think accountability is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, When I said that I'm going to write this book um, and this person came along and said, so what are you going to do about it? And kept asking me, and has been asking me. My dad kind of jumped on that train for a while. He, you know, like, we'd talk, we'd get together and talk. And then at the end, like, as I'm leaving, he's like, how's that book going? Like, he just kind of, you know, throw the jabs yeah. in. So I think being, you know, being intentional, but I think having a plan. And again, it's it's one of those things, I think people look at it, like, I know, I if I, if I just think about it right now, like, writing a book, it's like, gosh, where do you even start? Yeah. It just seems like such a massive, and it is, it's a massive project. Mm-hmm. It took me way longer than I thought it would have taken me. But you can do it in steps. Like what my friend said, outline your introduction, mm-hmm. write down all the titles for your, um, different chapters. Start there. Yeah. And actually that was the thing that started me down the book writing process. I went to a conference and I went to a workshop that, um, She said, you can either do this or this. And one of the things was write your introduction. Like, do you even have a book? And what I realized when I started writing the introduction, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a lot of things that I want to say and I didn't even realize these things were in here. So then you've got like that first piece. Okay, now that piece is done and you've actually started writing a book. Mm -hmm. So you're already walking down the process. So I think just having, like, don't focus on, like I talk to a lot of people like your husband, right? Who just mm-hmm. lost his job. It's like, well, I'm here where I've lost my job. I want to be there like across the valley. I can see where that is, but gosh, there just, it just seems like so long to yeah. get there. Nobody makes one gigantic leap to that other place. It's a series of small steps. So what's the, don't ask yourself like, how do I write a book? How do I start? What's yeah. the first thing that I can do? And then once that's done, cross it off and say, now what's the next thing that I do? And it's the same with starting a business. I don't even know how, where to begin to start mm-hmm. to figure out how to start a business. Which, as a quick side note, a good friend of mine who's here in Indianapolis and I in October, October 4th of this year are going to put on a one-day conference called Hustle Fest, all about your uh, making – starting a side hustle or how do you make your side hustle your main hustle – because there is a statistic out there that by, like, the year 2025, that 50% of the American economy is going to be what they call the gig economy. The, like, mm-hmm. I, let me go find a gig. I'm going to do this project-based yeah. project stuff, yes. right? Um, but that's everything that I do. Everything I do is gig-based. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get the speaking gig or do this gig or that gig. So we're going to uh, join forces with some other folks here in Indianapolis that will basically, if you have any questions about how do I start legal website domains all that sort of stuff along with some we're actually going to teach people how to do the hustle which is going to be super fun yeah i mean for no other reason we're just excited to get a bunch of people together and teach them how to do the hustle is
1: there a website for that
0: yet not yet we are super close um but i will certainly circle back to you when we we have the we have the domain names we just haven't um put anything up there yet but that's coming soon. Could
2: people get that virtually? Will you record it and put it out there? Or Will this be just? Uh...
0: I think for the first one, because we want to see how it's going to go, yeah. it, you're going to have to you're going to have to show up to experience it. Because yeah. the other thing is that it's that part of it is rubbing shoulders and elbows with yeah. real people yeah. who are going through the same things that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Show up and find out that you're not alone. Show up and find out that you're not crazy. That yeah. lots of other people have those ideas. And then also, how do you take again going back to that idea? How do you take the next step?
2: I like how you talked about the steps. In my own mind, I definitely see all the steps, and it is like one big step. I still don't know what those little steps are. That would definitely be an issue if I was going to, you know, like, oh, I want to be here in five years. Like, what is the next step for that? So I think it'd be interesting to go to something like that and learn, what is that next step?
0: And for some of us, I think the people that I've run into that are in that solopreneur space, um, we all... Pretty much all of us that I know suffer from shiny object syndrome, right? It's like, ooh, but I could do, or I could do that, or I could do that, or, 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 or. And so what I've been counseled by um, some wise folks in my life is, Jason, focus on one thing. So for the first quarter of this year, it was focusing on getting this book done. Now that's done. I'm going to go do the next thing. And. Um, the end of the year I have a couple of other things that I'm working to get to yep. but it's very because otherwise you do a whole bunch of stuff that never gets finished yes. versus one thing that gets finished well mm-hmm. and for somebody that suffers from shiny object syndrome that's hard to do <laughs> it's hard to stay the course um, but I'm learning how to better do that
2: I think I also suffer from that syndrome it's like I mean, especially in like the design world, like, oh, that's really cool. I want to do that design. Like, even when it comes to like just getting inspiration from, um, let's say, for a workbook, for example, like, oh, that's a cool design. Oh, that's a cool design. mash all of them together, and that never works. So even, I can just see that in my own life, just in pretty much every aspect.
0: Well, I think some, I think some parts of it, you know, you ask how to keep. I think part of fanning your flame is that you you do get to a place where you're just like. It's good enough. Mm-hmm. I had to do that with the book. I had a, there was a quote that somebody told me uh, of someone that they had, it was an author who said, I have, I have written eight books. I've never finished one. And that's like, for me as an author, that was important to hear. Cause I can even right now, even after like fixing the things that needed to be fixed and going through it with my editor, there's still things I would want to change. Mm-hmm. And I have another friend who's an author. He said, "Jason, you're, he said my he's uh, he's written five. He said, my first book definitely not my best book. Second one probably also not. Third, he's like in all honesty, I'm not sure I have written my best book yet. He said, but there comes a time where you just have to say enough is enough and let it go mm-hmm. be in the world. Yeah. And so I think part of that is you know Seth Godin is I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin, and one of his uh, he signed one of my books and hit and what he says is go go go, like. And he talks about shipping all the time. He's like, just ship it. Well, what if it, he's like, then you'll learn. Yeah. But ship it because so many of us stay in the boardroom and the planning room and like, oh, we need to tweak this. We need to do that. And we need to change production. Mm-hmm. We need to do this. He's like, just ship it. And then if nobody buys it, you realize that nobody bought it and you got to go back to the beginning. But at least you know that nobody bought it. He goes, but you could ship it and it could go viral and everybody loves it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not going to know until you ship it.
2: Well, failure teaches you a lot as well.
1: Oh,
0: tremendous amounts. (laughs) Tremendous amounts.
1: It's not
2: fun, but. No.
1: Everyone deals with
2: it. Right. What would be your biggest takeaway for someone listening right now that they could just do today, right now, if they're driving in the car for, I would say, finding your fire? I feel like that's the biggest part of this episode.
0: I would say there are two things I think you could do. And if you're driving, this is probably a better one than the second one I'm going to tell you. But if you're driving, I think, allow it, turn, first of all, turn off the radio. Because many of us don't drive in silence.
2: I love to drive in silence. And we talk about this all the time on all the different podcasts. It's, it's so nice.
0: It is. Yeah. But, you know, I know for me, like, I'll get in and my Spotify that was playing before just automatically kicks yes. on. So I leave it on the playlist and it just plays. And before I know it, I've been 30 minutes in the car and mm-hmm. I haven't. Thought about anything, so first, if you're in the car, just get some quiet time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or um, maybe turn on a, one of your favorite songs. I mean, you could go either way. And just ask yourself, what sets my heart on fire? And like, go back to maybe when you were even a kid. Like, what was the thing that when you were in like fifth grade or seventh grade, and you're like, when I get older, I'm gonna do this? Or everybody in your life has told you always that you're good at. Like, you're super good at this. Or if you have people in your life who are like, hey, why aren't you doing X? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you in that? Why are you doing that and not doing this? You've always loved, or. Um, I've met some people who used to be amazing artists and, and could draw and do amazing things, but they've quit because life has kind of pushed that out, but they got a tremendous amount of satisfaction and they're like, yeah, if I had to do over again, I'd probably go back and be a graphic designer. That's another thing. Ask yourself if you, what would you fill in this phrase with? If I could go back and do it all over again, I would be blank. And that's a great starting point. Yeah. And then just allow yourself, instead of going like, no, it'll never work and it's a terrible (laughs) idea, like allow yourself to think about what that could look like. Mm -hmm. And then a follow-up exercise to that would be when you go home, sit down and make a list two-sided, here are all the things that I love to do and here are the things that I hate to do. And I'm amazed at how often the things we hate to do are the things that we do in our daily jobs. Yeah and, and we've taken those things on and we haven't hired somebody to do those things where we probably should have, or, or delegated that or handed it off to somebody. And then just start to ask yourself um, your questions around. So is there a job where I could get as much on this left side as I want? Mm -hmm. Because again, I think we have been duped to believe that the people that get to do all that stuff on the left side are only the lucky ones, like the yeah. stars have aligned, like mm-hmm. they were born into privilege or whatever <laughs> it is. Like they're the only ones that get to do that, and it's simply not true. We're just too afraid or can't be bothered enough to go after it.
2: We've recently been talking more, more as a communication team, I guess, but always finding projects that inspire us, and the, because the daily work has to be done. We have to answer emails. We have to go to meetings and, uh, do all of that stuff. And that, I think there's a statistic that there is, I just don't know who it's by. Um, that it's like 70% of your day is filled with just the meetings and the calls and the daily to do's. But as long as you have just at least one thing that you do that inspires you, you're going, you're going to feel good. You're going to like be passionate about it. And that is, I really, really have found that more to be true in my life now than ever, um, just knowing how like excited I am to do th- certain things, like even just to come to work, even um, if I know I'm not doing the podcast, the podcast is definitely a, an inspiration or it's an inspiring project for Sarah and I both. Um, but even just knowing that we're doing it doesn't take that long, but we do it like a couple times a week. I still feel inspired in my other work as well mm-hmm. just because I know that some of my work is making a difference. But, yeah, I still have to answer an email and go yeah, to I mean, meetings. By
0: no means is going through this exercise that I just explained going to suddenly transform you into someone <laughs> on Monday. that's like, it's time to answer emails. <laughs> that's not going to happen likely. Um, but what does happen when you find that fire and you are able to fan that flame, mm-hmm. it starts to grow. It does. And it affects people around you. It affects other parts of your job. And you will begin to see differences that you hoped for.
2: I feel like you might even find that you're not even happy in your position. Right. That's not the position for you. Not that that's what we're telling everyone to leave their jobs today by any means. But it's an eye-opener. Yes.
0: And, and there was a, a statistic last year that came out from Gallup that said 57% of Americans... Are in the space in their job where they would say uh, they called it unengaged. Fifty-seven mm-hmm. percent of Americans That's are unengaged, mm-hmm. and here's how they defined unengaged, which I found fascinating. They said, "You come to work, you're on time, you do what you're supposed to do, you meet deadlines, but you couldn't care less about pretty much anything that you're doing. Like you're good, you're basically a good employee." Mm-hmm. But would you leave tomorrow? Yeah, probably. Like would you go find another yeah. job? It's like what I call the meh category. Like are you happy where you are? Meh. Would you leave tomorrow? Meh. Like, yeah. do you love what you're doing? Meh. Yeah. Are you miserable where you are? Meh. <laughs> like you're <laughs> not it's, it's a, you're just like that. It's just that yeah. average. And what could happen if we could turn 5% of that workforce from the unengaged to the engaged? Mm-hmm by maybe giving them something outside to do or finding that project inside the building that lights their fire. Oh, my God. Just 5%. Can you imagine the difference?
2: And sometimes it's just if you are a supervisor, it's asking the question of what inspires you to your employees. And I, Sarah and I have definitely had those conversations from this training I've been going through. And it's such an interesting question that I've never thought to ask. Right. Why would I never think to ask that? So now I will all the time. Like what inspires you today? Or what really like, what do you enjoy doing? Can I, can I allow her to do that all the time, every single day probably not, or else she'd be podcasting all day, every day. And that wouldn't work. She still has to (laughs) get the work done. Nothing would go up on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But my supervisor asked me like, how can we, how can you guys, how can I help you do more of what inspires you? And I jokingly said, hire more people to do the work I don't want to (laughs) do, which is not going to be the case. It's not. We're a non-profit. We are a non we can not just hire a billion people. Uh, so I, it kind of made us laugh. Like, okay, you ha- still have to get this done. But we, we want to have projects that inspire you on a daily basis. And I appreciate working at a place that does that.
0: Yeah, because there are an awful lot of places mm-hmm. that don't. And when mm-hmm. you start to do that, they're like, hey, what are you doing? You need to be back over here. Yeah. And I think there are places, is it, I don't know if it, it's Google or Apple. It's one of the big ones. But um, I think they give their employees... It's like 4 to 4 to 8 hours I think a week to work on something that's not related to what they're doing like that's, cool. that's not in their project mm-hmm. file, right? Yeah. Um but it could be something that they're like, "Oh, I'm going to work on this new app or I'm going to do this or I'm going to yeah. do that." And so why would you not want to stay at a company that gives you an opportunity to do something like exactly. that? Well, of course you would. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. and I guarantee you that the other 32 hours a week that they're working, they're probably working harder because they are appreciative of the eight hours or whatever that they Mm -hmm. get, and they want to keep that.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and they want to stay there.
0: And by the way, they're all probably telling their friends about how cool the place is that they have to work so they don't have to work that hard to recruit because everybody is saying, you should come work here. Yeah. It's funny because that was kind of like
2: a wrap-up question, and I feel like we just got on a whole different topic, which is wonderful. I love it. (laughs) Well, I definitely got a lot out of this just from even I liked when we talked about um, writing down your fears on the front and then yeah. turning it over. I think
1: just such an easy way to get started. Yeah.
2: yeah. Just verbalizing your fear is, I think, what I think I took
0: most out of this episode. Mm-hmm. And just that it's I think you said it's simple. Mm hmm. It, it doesn't It's not
2: complicated. No, yeah. this is, you
0: mm-hmm. don't have to go out of town. You know, <laughs> so it does you don't have to, or Right, you don't you don't have to do. I mean, those are great things if you yes. if you can also do those. Mm-hmm. But get up half an hour earlier before your family does or go to bed half an hour later and just spend some time. Yeah. We have it, but yeah. it, it it's the it's the conscious decision to make a change. Yeah. And change is hard. Change is hard. <laughs> wow that was insane <laughs> <crazy>. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jason. It was we were a so pleasure. Thank you. you so
0: much for having me.
1: We will have everything linked on our show notes page. So go check that out, including Jason's new book that's available on Amazon.
2: Um, but... And the Hustle Fest, in yes. case any of you live in Indianapolis and want to go to that. Hopefully we'll have details when this goes live. Yeah. Yep.
0: October 4th. We're hoping it'll be in the Vogue and Brighterful, but that's Ooh. TBA okay. still. All right. Okay. Or TBD.
1: <laughs> thank you so much.
0: All right.